Good morning. It is good to see you all. I think we have a record crowd post-COVID this morning. So, woohoo! Yeah! <laughs> and we're still not anywhere close to the capacity that we could have. So, uh, before we get started, though, there's something uh, we need to, I need to acknowledge uh, this morning, and that is uh, Carl Martin, who has been leading our, our, our worship team uh, for close to two years. Yeah, right at two years. Uh, two years ago, a lot of you weren't here then, but uh, we were just kind of in crisis with our worship team, and uh, we didn't really have anybody. It, it had kind of hit the ground, uh, and I asked Carl to sacrifice himself and step up and, and, and help us with that, uh, and, and he did. And you hear what we have this morning, right, you know? Uh, and there's lots of other volunteers that we haven't been able, because of COVID, to get in, and so uh, Carl has done an extraordinary sort of thing. So Carl, if you would come up here, uh, and most of you know we've... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to move out of the, the video here for a second. Um, yeah. So this is Carl's last Sunday as the official leader because Kramer will, uh, will take over beginning next, next Sunday. Uh, and I'm hoping he's not backing away from being involved in music. Uh, some of you know he's actually a professional drummer, and so so blessed to have him here. Uh, but in addition to all of that, uh, and, and don't hold this against him, he is a serious hockey fan, okay? <laughs> uh, that may get you credibility here. And so we want to say thank you uh, uh, um, for all that you've done, and words really are not uh, adequate. I think no one understands the spot we're in more than I do, and maybe you do, and, and what you have done. Your, your work has been just extraordinary is the only word. Um, so we have in here uh, four shirts uh, that have Kraken on them. And I know that's not your favorite team. <laughs> so I'm going to give that to you. And then this is a, a gift card uh, for $100 to NHL.com slash Kraken, right? I got it right. So uh, we want you to have that as, as well. And you can deck out in Kraken gear. Uh, and, and thank you so much. And this is terrible, but I'm going to need that back for the next service. <laughs> not, not right now. Give, give it to Carrie. <laughs> Thank, let's give Carl a hand. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, Carl really has done an extraordinary job under very difficult circumstances. And, uh, and I, having seen the inner works, I really understand that. And I, I know that Kramer deeply appreciates what's being handed off to him uh, at this point. And so uh, he's been here for the last couple of weeks. He's actually back learning how to get our uh, online stuff all doing. We've been got, having him working on stuff like that. So uh, come back next week and we'll get to celebrate with Kramer together. Well, uh, today I'm going to wrap up the series on parables that we've been kind of doing all summer long. Usually every summer I do something. Often it was Old Testament stuff. This summer we decided to do uh, the parables uh, together. And so um, I, I want to do this last one before we kick off the next one with a, a, an interesting sort of thing. Anyone, anyone have any idea what the most common command in the Bible is? Just shout it. got to shout loud because I can't hear through this thing. What? Fear not. That's exactly right. The most common command in the Bible is do not be afraid or fear not or there's a couple, three variations of, uh, of that. And that's in both the New Testament and in the Old Testament. The thing that God says to us most often is do not be afraid. Okay, say do not be afraid. Look at the person next to you and say do not be afraid. 
Yeah, that, that, that's a word from God to you. Do not be afraid. And I think especially in these times when it seems like there's so many things to be afraid of. I mean, with all of the stuff that's going on, COVID, COVID alone, you're all out there wearing masks because of, of COVID. Uh, with, with the economy and all that's going on with all of that, I have conversations about people that are worried about losing their, their jobs and all the things that can be a part of that and all the social unrest that's going on and and then there are politicians. They're all scary, amen? You know, I mean, it's just, if that, nothing else, that would, that would be enough. There's just so many things to be afraid of. Uh, and, and yet, uh, the one, the parable we're going to talk about today, it kind of addresses this issue of sometimes what looks like danger isn't really danger. Have any of you experienced that where you thought something was dangerous or you were afraid, you know? I, I, for me, this goes back to like when I was growing up in my church. Uh, every summer, the youth group would, would take a, uh, a hike trip up into the Olympic National Mountains, and we'd hike way back up in there, you know. Yeah, it's a great time to work with teens spiritually, you know, spent several, spent a week almost up there. Uh, but, but one of the things that happened, and, and don't hold this against your pastor because I've grown up since then, but as an adolescent boy, especially in junior high, one of my favorite parts of that hike was the opportunity to scare the girls, you know, and, and I learned some really cool tricks, you know, about how to do that at night and taking them Skype hunting. Any of you ever taken anybody Skype hunting, you know, where you did, did no real thing? Anyway, we, we would do that. And so there was no real danger, but, but they, were, they were afraid. And so sometimes um, things that, that look like danger aren't. And then even beyond that, sometimes things that look like danger are actually opportunity. Something that, that, that God may want to do something in your life or there's an opportunity. Um, and, and yet, fear has a way of holding us back, of getting in the way, uh, and even causing us to miss really good stuff in our life. And so one of the things I think it's really important to remember as we kind of jump into this is fear can be very costly. It, it can just cost you a lot. It can cost you at work. It can cost you in your relationships. If you're afraid to talk about things, it can cost you wherever you're at. Fear can be costly. And so what we kind of, if I had a kind of title today, I would say it's the high cost of fear. You know, we talk about the high cost of other things, but I don't think we always talk about the high cost uh, of fear. And for those of you who are joining us online, thank you so much for being with us. I know it's a little different title than what I had up there. Um, and so this morning I want us to look uh, at Matthew uh, chapter 25, if you have your Bibles, uh, and we'll have it up, uh, parts of it up there. And I want to kind of read to you the story, and then I want to kind of uh, stop and pause as we, we work through it. I call this the parable of the coins. Uh, I hope everyone received a coin. Has everyone got a coin this morning? Uh, if you haven't got a coin, would you raise your hand so that our usher can get you uh, a coin, you'll, you'll need this. This is a gold coin. Well, maybe more accurately, a gold-colored coin. Uh, and maybe more accurately, a gold-colored piece of plastic meant to look like a coin. But this is our gold coin this morning, okay? It's the best I could do. There, there was no room in the budget for real gold coins. And we're going to talk about that. So, um, so you know this is the, the story of the, the unfaithful servant that, that buried his coin. And several of you, as I was handing this out, said, should I go bury this coin? You know, and I'm like, okay, listen to the sermon, then we'll talk about this. So let me read part of this, and I invite you to listen, to turn on, turn on your ears. We talk about turning on our eyes, but turn on your ears, uh, because there's some really wonderful kind of imagery uh, in this. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at, at verse 14, it says, uh, speaking of the kingdom of heaven, for, for, uh, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants 
and entrusted to them his property. So this is a very wealthy person um, going off on a long journey, and they, he needs somebody to be in charge of his stuff, okay? Uh, to, to one he gave five talents, okay, which is actually coins. To another, two. To another, uh, one. Each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded for, with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground, uh, ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, so I want you to get this, there's been a long time for them to do something about this. The master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made you two talents more. And I just kind of want to put this up there. Uh, his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now that's a really good place to pause in this, in this parable. And people tend to blow past this because they know what the ending is. And they think this story is all about the ending. But I want to offer to you that this story isn't just about the ending. Uh, and so let, let me just give one little quick explanation because the word talent sounds like a word that we associate with a unique or natural ability to do something. But actually when the word talent is used here, it's a, it's a measure of weight like pound or ounce. And you can have a pound or an ounce or a talent of of anything, of, of you know, uh, silver or of gold. We probably think it was probably gold, a talent of, of, of gold, a weight of, of gold. Or, you know, lead or M&Ms or anything. You can have a, a measure of it. And so uh, in this story, uh, each, each one of these people, according to their ability, has been given either one or uh, two or five uh, measures of, of gold, Okay. And so that's an important part to remember in this. Each servant has given an important responsibility by the master, each according to his or her ability. Everybody has different capacities in their life. How many of you are aware of something in your life you are not good at? Yeah. Yeah, how many of you like are aware of more of one thing than one thing? You know, you could kind of create a, I, I mean, I, I could have a long list of things. I, I am not good. In fact, I, I think I'm pretty persuaded I'm like in the one talent kind of category. I know there's a, a thing or two I, I, I do pretty well, but there's a whole bunch of things I, I, I don't do well. And so, God, to each one according to his ability. You know, so whatever your gift is and whatever you're good at, I guarantee you there's somebody who's better than you, Right? I mean, this is particularly hard for pastors because now all the best preachers in the world are on TV, right? So I just go listen to a couple of them if I'm feeling a little arrogant, and that'll just bring me right down. You know, it's like, I'm nowhere as good as those guys are. I'm never going to be that, that good, okay? Uh, but the good news is in that is everyone has some gold coin. Every one of you have some gold coin from God. Uh, God says he's given it to you. Maybe some of you have five Maybe some of you have three or two or four, or, or maybe some of you are like me, you're, you're one, but, but hear me when I say this. Everyone who is a part of Generations Framley is in the gifted program. 
You are. God has gifted you something. You're every one of you. Now, maybe it's not academics, you know. Sometimes we think about gifted program, and we think about My son was in the gifted program, right? He didn't always use it for good, but he was in the gifted program. And, and you all are in the gifted program. God has given you something, um, and, and God has given you this gift. And he has some expectations about it, but, but so, so let me talk about it with this thing. Think about this. Look at your, get your coin out. Everybody get your coin out. Look at your coin. We're going to talk about our coins a bit today, okay? You have this, and, and, and there's a sense in which you are this coin in God's hands. And so here's what I want to say. You are a tool in God's hands. You, you have a gift that God wants to use for the kingdom, one gift, two gifts, three gifts, whatever that is. So when you think of tools, let, call out some names of some tools that come to mind. Ham, hammer? Hammer. Saw. Vice? Is that here over here? Drill. Screwdriver. You're all doing kind of like construction stuff. What are some of the tools you, you how many of you use a spreadsheet? In your, in your work in some sort of way, or a computer in some sort of way. Yeah, there, there's all kinds of, of things like that. Some of you, maybe you, you drive a truck, or you drive a car, or, or maybe you uh, work on airplanes, or uh, who, who knows what, what it is, but, but every one of you are a tool in some way in God's hands. Uh, he has given you this tool, he has given you this coin, this talent, this gift, uh, and he wants you to use it for the kingdom. And so, Human beings, it would seem, have a seemingly limitless capacity to create tools. And we get that from God. We could spend the whole day here naming different kinds of, of tools. And God does the same thing with us. There's, all of you are different, have you noticed? No, really, all of you are different. And some of you are more different than others, you know. But, but we're, we're all different in, in some sort of, of way. And so your giftedness is for God's use. Let me say that again. Your giftedness is for God's use. He gave you a unique coin, and he has an expectation that you will use it for the kingdom, okay? And just because he's not looking over your shoulder right now doesn't mean he's not coming back someday. Your giftedness is, is, is a gift for uh, eternal purposes, and, and he deploys you for that reason, and he expects you to deploy with that. And when I think about this, again, my background is medical, you know, I think about like Search, search, uh, medical shows where they're doing surgery, you know, and the, the doctor's kind of leaning into the patient. They got them all open, and, and, you know, there's people moving around and machines beeping, and the doctor's got a mask on, and he's got his hair covered and uh, completely covered up, you know, and there's a nurse there and an anesthesiologist, and, and pretty soon the doctor, you know, kind of doesn't even look at the, the, the technician next to him, kind of hits, hits the hand out and says, scalpel, right? And they go, smack, and the scalpel goes in, or, or you know, extender or what, whatever. And sometimes I think about this like this, where, where, where God goes, uh, God looks around and he's doing surgery on the world. He's trying to redeem the world. And he goes, give me a Craig, you know, put Craig in there and use Craig for a while. Oh, give me a Bill and, you know, give, give me a, a Susan, give me a, you know, and, and he wants to deploy you. He wants to use you for, for the work of the king. You are a tool in God's hands, okay? Uh, and because you've been created to be a tool in God's kingdom, uh, every single follower of Jesus has a ministry. Every single follower of Jesus has a ministry. Well, let's keep working on this. Every single follower of Jesus has a ministry. 
yes, you have a ministry. And it's not just a volunteer position. You, you do that in a volunteer capacity, but you have a ministry. And what God has given you is a ministry. We're going to talk about more. I've got a new sermon series that starts next week. And one of the Sundays, maybe a couple of them, we're going to talk about your ministry, what God has called you to do. Maybe your ministry is being a greeter. That is a ministry. You're one of the people that make new people feel welcome when they come to our church. Maybe it's being an usher and you make people comfortable in this environment. Maybe you're sitting on a board. Maybe, you know, you're, you're involved with the, the financial part of the church. Maybe you're helping keep the building going. I don't know, but every one of you have a ministry. And, and I really object to the idea that what I do is a ministry and what you do is not a ministry. In fact, the only title I really am uncomfortable with in, in my role as a pastor is, you're the minister. Yes, and so are you, right? Because all of us have a ministry of some sort. God has something for you to do. Your life has divine purpose. Okay, look at the person next to you and say, your life has divine purpose. Yeah, every, every one of you, this, this, this comes directly from God. That, that's what this parable teaches. We always get to the end of it. And, and the good news is God has an intention and a purpose for you. It's a skill set. Maybe it's influence. Maybe it's power. May, maybe it's financial resources. Uh, maybe it's a passion. Maybe it, it, it's some sort of unique thing. God, But God has given you something. Everyone has a gold coin. And you cannot leave this place without saying, I don't have a gold coin because I gave you one this morning, okay? I expect you to hold on to this and look at this, okay? Um, God didn't save you, in fact, from your sin and transform you into a new creation and give you abundant life so you could sit around the heavenly pool all day. He gave that to you so that you could work for the kingdom, so you could build out of your purpose and out of his purpose. And he expects us to do something about that. And here's the good news, okay? Because some of you are panicking under the pressure right now. You're like, oh, it's too much. Here's the good news. Good news is God doesn't expect you to be successful. He expects you to be faithful. He does, you, you, if you got one coin, he does not expect five coins back from you. That's just not the way God works. In fact, you couldn't measure success as God measures success. In fact, the whole idea of success isn't really a concept in the Bible. Faithfulness is the thing he cares about, that we're faithful with what he's done, okay? Um, it, it's faithfully loving each other. It, it, it's like marriage. What is a successful marriage? Well, Bill and Melinda Gates, is that a successful marriage because they got billions of dollars, you know? And, and the people in Brazil that don't have enough money for a door, that's not successful because they don't have money? No. A successful marriage is loving each other like God loves you for all of your life, Amen. Yeah, and, and so that same is true. That's that faithfulness to, to one another. Uh, and, and so the only way to fail in faithfulness is to do nothing. It's the only way you can fail. It's like running a race where, where you don't keep track of who wins, you know. All you got to do is run the race. Finish the race. You don't have to be the first person. God doesn't expect you to be the first person. And here's the really good news. God greatly rewards faithfulness. Yeah, you should all be dancing in the aisles, man. Because he greatly rewards that. I love these words. Let me, these words that he said to the, to the first two. Well done. Don't you like it when people said, man, you did a really good job. Am I the only one that likes it when people say that, you know? I, well done. Good. And get this. Faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little 
and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. There is nobody that pays better than the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. His promises, his stuff is, is the thing that matters for eternity. The, the, the rewards are beyond your ability to imagine. Uh, in fact, one of the things I love about apocalyptic literature like Revelation and those sorts of things is you can see the writers struggling with trying to communicate how good heaven is going to be, right? Because there just aren't earthly words. They just can't really describe it. So they talk about like streets of gold. I don't, I don't personally care about streets of gold. But what they're trying to say is it is so good that gold is like asphalt. It's, it's just that, it's that good. It, they, they can't express it. It is so good when you enter into the joy of your master. And here's what I know for sure. Whatever God is calling you to do, whatever your, your gift is, whatever the coin is that he's expecting you to use for the kingdom and get a return on it, it will be worth it. Every bit of it. There's an old, old song, an old hymn that us old people remember when I was growing up called, It Will Be Worth It While. It will be. I'll stop there because you don't want to hear it all. But, you, but how many of you remember that? Some of you have been around. It will be worth it all. I love that song. It, it, it hit right on it. And, and so the, the, the whole thing is this. The, the first part of this, this parable is so important because it communicates this. The pressure's off. God has given you a coin. Just be faithful. Just, just be faithful. Just, just exercise your gold coin. Exercise your gift for the, for the kingdom. And don't worry about comparing yourself to anybody else. Just do what God asks you to do. And if you will do that, you will hear the words, well done, good, and, and faithful servant. And so I, I want you to take your coin out again and look at it. I want you to, to look at your coin. And, I, and I, uh, when I ordered these, um, I didn't realize there's a skull and crossbones on the back. I thought, well, that's not really appropriate, but I'm too far in. I can't back up here. There's a treasure chest on the other side. And then I decided I'd really like stretch hard for some way of making that relevant. So on the one side is the treasure chest, well done, good and faithful servant. On the other side is what happens if you bury it. So I don't know. Sorry. It's all I could get with this. <laughs> So let me ask you this question while you're looking at your coin, and you know what this represents in your life. What does it look like to be faithful with the coins God has given you? What does that look like in your world? I know for me, there was a time where I had to say yes to God to go into ministry full time. Scariest thing I ever did. Can't believe I did that. I am so thankful I did that. I love what I do. I absolutely love being your pastor. Those of you here, those of you online, it's, it's the greatest thing ever. And I will tell you, when you use your coin, when you use your gift, you will discover the greatest, the greatest way to live this life. Can't you imagine how joyful those servants were to come back and say, hey, guess what? I turned the five coins into ten coins, you know? And Jesus said, and the master said, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy. The, 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 we miss the first part, the promise that is the first part of this parable, that God wants to do great things in us and in you. And you don't have to be a five-coin person. You only need to be a one-coin person. I guarantee you, you got at least one coin, one talent, one gift God has for you. Do something. Do anything. Come talk to me if you need ideas about how to engage it. But use your coin. Use your giftedness uh, for, for God. But... Most of you know that's not actually the end of the story. 
There's one more guy who received a coin, and this is the warning part of the story. This, we talked about the blessing part of the story. This is the warning part of the story. It goes on to say, verse 24, He also, who had received one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you were to be a, a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not scatter, where you scattered no seed. So, I was afraid. And because I was afraid, that's not in there, but it's implied, I went and hid your talent in the ground. I did nothing. And you want to hear some of the saddest words in Scripture? It's this. Here, oh, here you have what is yours. That's the end of the thing. He gave it back. I was afraid, so I did nothing. I was afraid, so I did nothing. I mean, this is as sad as it gets. I was afraid. So I did nothing. I just, I, every time I've read that this week, it just broke my heart. I've lived with that one, one a lot. All, all he had to do was try. In fact, down in the rest of the story, the master says to him, if you just take it to the bank and get paltry little kind of interest, I would have been happy with that and I would have said, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of my Lord. The only way you could fail the test was to do nothing. That's the danger in all of this. And so now he's begun to kind of change the story. It's interesting to me that this servant characterizes the master as harsh and unjust and scary. I knew you were harsh. I knew you reaped what you didn't sow. The problem with that is the first part of the story, we already know that's not true about the master. The master is generous and loving and wants to bless in all of this. And so fear has this way of distorting reality for us. We begin to think that there are enemies where there aren't enemies. We begin to see danger where there isn't danger. We begin to see scary stuff where there's actually opportunity for us. And his fear got control of him. And, and it changed everything. He was seeing danger everywhere. And yet he missed the blessing because of that. And so let me say this. Fear is a scary thing. I know there's irony in that, okay? We should be afraid of fear. Maybe the problem is we're afraid of other things when we should be afraid of fear. Because fear is what gets us in trouble. I mean, emotionally, it feels like fear would protect you, right? That, and that's the idea. And fear of the right things does protect you. If it's a lion outside, then, then probably you should be feared. But honestly, today, more often, fear puts us in danger. Because we live in a world where, frankly, there aren't nearly as many dangers as there were in the ancient world. Not, not even close. There was all kinds of things that, that could take them, take them out. And we live in a time where fear of things that aren't really dangerous is often paralyzing. We don't know what to do, so just like the man in the story, we do nothing. And I guarantee you, nothing is almost always the wrong choice. choice. Nothing, nothing almost always ensures failure. It gets us in a bad place. In fact, the whole point of this parable, the whole point of this parable is doing nothing with your coin is the only wrong choice. That's the point of the parable. Imagine that. Jesus tells this whole giant parable with just one thing. See, I sum Jesus up in one sentence. Doing nothing with your, your coin. Doing nothing with your talent. Not exercising the gifts and graces God has given to you. That's the only wrong choice is to do nothing. So here's what I know for sure. Fear is spiritually deadly. 
Spiritually deadly. Fear is a serious danger to your spiritual well-being. Fear is a, a liar. It, it always says it will protect you, but it will betray you and put you in danger. Fear, fear is addictive. The more you indulge it, the more it gets its claws into you, the more you fear. And the cycle goes round and round. Fear is a thief. It will take from you the things that you love most. And I've seen fear take away relationships with, with people that they loved. People who are not followers of Jesus, I, I, I get why they're afraid. I do. I get. If, if there were no hope, if we didn't have God and we hadn't read the end of the book, I would be afraid too. But I hope you've read the end of the book. Did you notice who won? God won. And we're on God's side. And, and yes, we may suffer. There are trials and tribulations and pain and difficulty. Somebody say amen here because I want to know that I'm not the only one. You know, we all have that. But here's what I know for sure for followers of Jesus. God's got this. God's got this. God's got this. God's got this. And I don't know what the this is in your world, but I've been through enough this is in my world to know that God's got this. It doesn't really matter what the this is. Do you know that God is not impressed by COVID? It, it doesn't scare him at all. He's like, oh yeah, COVID, yeah, you know. He's not impressed by economic downturn. He, he's not impressed by rioting and craziness and all of that. And get this, he's not impressed by politicians. Thanks be to God. You know? Of all of their craziness. Let me say a little more. God's got you, your family, your family, and your future. Let's read this together. God's got you, your family, your family, sorry, your family, your family, and your future. One more time because the preacher messed it up, okay? God's got you, your family, your family, and your future. Nothing is outside of God's purview and God's influence. Not even your stuff. Nothing is so small that it goes unnoticed by God. He sees everything, which is both good and scary sometimes, but, but he sees he's everything. So why are we letting fear stop us? Why, why do we do that? It doesn't have any real power over us. So... Did I mention that fear comes from the devil? When you go through scripture, fear is always associated with the evil one. And, and, and life and love and, and, and what God calls faithfulness is, is always associated with God and, and his kingdom. It, it doesn't matter uh, about all of that stuff. It, it, fear is the primary tool that the, the devil has. Because, get this, the devil, who is the author of fear, is afraid. He's afraid you're going to invest your coin. And there's nothing he can do about it except try to trick you out of doing it. And fear is the way he does that. Oh, if you do that, what will people think? Oh, if you do that, you might fail. So, so here's right off. You've already heard this, right, that, that it's not about success. So if the devil says to you, if you do that, you might fail, you know that's a lie right off because it was never about success. It was about faithfulness, Amen. And there's all kinds of things that he, he says to us in, in our ears. He knows that he can't stop you, and so he wants to sideline you. So, in this story, the difference between great success and utter failure is the ability to overcome fear. That's it. That's the whole story. Overcome fear, and you got it. If you struggle with fear, welcome to the party. That's why Jesus said it so often. Here, here's a little hint about interpreting the Bible. If something comes up a lot, it means people were having trouble with it. 
It's kind of like you guys when you, when you parent your kids. If you have to say something a lot, it's usually because the kids are struggling with it, right? You know? Uh, don't do that. that. Whatever that is that you're not supposed to do, you're saying that because they're doing it and you don't want them to do it. And so God says over and over again, do not be afraid. Don't fear. Why? Because we, we struggle with that. So it's, it's okay if you struggle with fear, okay? I mean, I, I've thought about kind of starting this thing by saying, hi, my name is Craig and I'm afraid, you know? And we can kind of have a little kind of session there. But all of us do it. But it's also the number one thing that holds people back. And so this has become my, my go-to verse for this. Psalm 56.3. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. I, I really want to encourage you to memorize this. It's so powerful. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. And you know, trust is actually probably a better definition of the word faith. We kind of do some funny stuff with the word faith. But what faith ultimately means is I put my trust in something. I put my trust in God. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. Let's say this together. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. And if you do that, if you build this into your soul, it's so powerful. I encourage you to memorize it, to, to put it on your fridge, to put it on your bathroom mirror, wherever you look. This, this is what, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. And so what this teaches us is this. The opposite of fear is not courage, but faith. I trust God. I trust God. That became my hashtag when I went through some of the darkest times in my life with cancer. I, I, I trust him. Courage is something we manufacture. Faith or trust is something God gives us and we accept as a gift from him. So let me give you, as we uh, prepare to wrap up, and uh, uh, our musicians could come, let me give you kind of six practical steps for building faith in the face of fear. Practical steps for faith in the face of fear. Number one, avoid people and situations that create fear. I don't know about you, but there are some people who are like afraid of everything and they're not happy unless everybody else is afraid of everything. Anyone know somebody like that? They just, it's like fear is a virus and they just spread it to everybody. And have you heard the latest? They got all the rumors and, and the sky is falling, kind of the chicken little. So some of you, especially if, if fear is one of the things you struggle with, you, need just, you just need to avoid those kind of people in your life. Number two, and this is obvious, surround yourself with people who build your faith, not your fear. It's one of the things I love about being able to get back together in church. A part of the gathering of churches is that we build one another up in the faith, <laughs> in the trust Trust of, of God, okay? Um, and, and build the, the body of Christ. Oh, by the way, when I went back to that, um, well, anyway, I'll go on. So the next one is the one that's going to be just a little hard for some of us, okay? Turn off the news. Some of you may remember during Lent, uh, I, we give something up for Lent, and I, I gave up for Lent uh, the news. I, I decided I, I've been a little bit of a news junkie, and I decided I was just going to cut that out of my life, and then COVID happened. So I had to tune in a little bit to keep track of covid for the church, but, but I tried to put all the other news out of my life, and I've never actually gone back, and it's been great. My anxiety level goes, I think I've decided that the purpose of news is to scare people. You know, I, I, they, they cover all the scariest stuff, and it doesn't even have to necessarily be true, or they don't know for sure, and it's just, it's just crazy, and so I really, I'm not kidding about this turn off the news, because I did this in my life. If you are struggling with fear and the politics and all of that, turn off the news. God's got this. By the way, God has this election. Amen? 
Yeah, he's, he's, he's still God, as it turns out, okay? Uh, and then uh, number four, pray more. Pray more. The more I pray, the less I have fear. There's something about how God works in that. And then maybe you need to get this, I trust God. This has become my mantra just all the time. I trust God. I trust God. I trust God. Build that into your life. And then finally, embrace your inner ministry. Embrace your inner missionary. Get going on this. There's something about when we get going on our talents, on serving God, on, on our ministry that takes our focus off of all of the rest of that stuff and gets us focused on what God's doing and how he's working in our lives. And when you do that, it is really powerful for reducing the fear. I, I listen to people who sometimes talk about end times, and, and the way they talk about the end times is usually almost designed to create fear. You know, this is happening, that's happening. Watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out. You know where I want to be when Jesus comes? I want to be in the field doing the work of the kingdom. Amen? Because I believe he can get my attention in that moment. And, and he can bring me in. So I just want to encourage you. Get engaged with that. that. Get, let go of the fear. Don't let it hold you back. Because God has a wonderful thing he wants to do in your life. Amen? Amen. So uh, next Sunday, I'm going to kick off a series called Doing Church, the Body of Christ uh, on, on Earth. It seems like when we're struggling with how to do church, I want to kind of talk uh, for a series about how to, to do church in the midst of COVID and in, in the midst of all of the craziness that, that's a part of that. Hope you'll come back. Hope you'll join us online uh, next week for that. Uh, I'm going to pray for you in just a minute, and then we're going to worship the Lord in giving uh, as, as well. Yeah, woohoo! Uh, and you can uh, give... Uh, for you that are here, you can put a check in the box that's in the back back there. Uh, you can also give online at generationscommunity.org. Uh, you can give, uh, you can mail in a check, uh, and you can give uh, on the app. Those are the, the ways you can give. And again, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Uh, you've been such, uh, so, such a generous people uh, in this church, both here and to those of you who are joining us online. Thank you so much for joining us online. Uh, let me uh, pray, and before we get to the song... I just want to say this. One of the things um, for me is I, I believe in what's called uh, future ancient worship, which means that you, you do things to reach the generation that's there, right? They listen to different music than I personally enjoy, but that, that's fine. Great worship music. Glad for that. But you also bring that together with ancient things. So you'll notice in our church, we do communion once a month, you know. Uh, at the end, there's a benediction, and I bless you. Those are kind of ancient sorts of parts of worship. Well, there's a really great song called The Blessing that is kind of a, a benediction um, put, put to music. And so uh, we're going to sing that while we worship the Lord in giving. Um, and, and I, I want you to, I, I want to make this a little more regular part of our, the life of our church. I, I want you to sing this to each other. Now, you don't have to look at each other. But there's a certain sense when I stand up here and I, I give you the benediction and the blessing, and that, that's cool. But there should be a sense in which we bless each other. And so as you get, the words are really powerful. How many of you have heard this song? Probably a few of you, yeah. Um, let's just sing it and, and let's just ask God's blessing on everyone who's gathered here and everyone who joins us online uh, and in our, our church family. Let me, let me pray for you. Father God, Lord, I, I pray that you would put fear out of our hearts. <laughs> Forgive us that we, we get addicted to it, we get connected to it, and we let it, let it stop us from the blessings that you want to 
have for us, Father. Thank you for the gift of, uh, of the gold coins of, that you give to us, Father, the ministry that you give to us. I pray that you would help us to be a, a people that, that engage the ministry for the work of the kingdom, Father, that you might be lifted up, that you might be glorified, Father, that your, your kingdom might be expanded, Lord, and that one day we might stand before you and, and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. I pray that you would be with us now as we worship you in giving. Thank you, Father, for the, the gift of resources to bring to your house, to bring to your work. And, Father, I pray as we sing together that you would um, pour out your blessing on one another as we sing the blessing uh, in your name, Father. And we ask it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.